This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Again, thank you for being here. We are continuing in on a series in the book of Nehemiah. We have been going verse by verse. We are in chapter number 8, and this morning, if it's okay with you, I've got a lot of scripture that I'll be reading, and uh, I hope that is all right. But uh, John chapter 1 and verse number 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. These passages are one that most of us, you have heard before, maybe you know them from memory, But the Word of God, it speaks specifically to the Word of God. The Word is pure. It is a shield. It is quick. It is powerful. It is sharp. It pierces our soul. It pierces the the thoughts that we have. It discerns our thoughts. The Word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is the power of God. The Word of God has the power of God unto salvation. Therefore, we should not be ashamed. It speaks of in Romans chapter 1, in in John 17, the Word of God is truth. The Word of God, the words of God are spirit and life in John chapter 6. The Word of God will keep us from sin, Psalm 119, 11. This morning, we come to chapter 8 of Nehemiah, and you, if you were with us last week, or maybe you've read through Nehemiah in the past, Nehemiah chapter 7, the wall had been built, the people now have come together, uh, Nehemiah had placed the leaders in the right position, those that were guarding, and those that were teaching, and those that were leading the, the people as a whole, and Nehemiah does all of these things, and today they come together And they're no longer just trying to figure out how to build the wall. They're no longer trying to figure those things out. They come together. They recognize that their people have kind of come back together. It's been years since the the exile and they've all come back and they, they come to a place. And in verse number one, it says, And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded to Israel. I don't know how many times I've been amongst Christians where they have said, hey, hey, pastor, why don't you just grab the word of God and why don't you just begin to read it and teach it to me? I'll tell you how many times. Never. <laughs> Unless it's time to eat and everybody goes, oh, you're a pastor, you can pray. <laughs> but there's very few times I've just walked into a room or somebody has, I don't know, that you guys have all kind of been together and they've said, hey, go find the pastor. We just want the word of God to be read. I don't know how many times in my life I can really count how many times. It's never really happened. They've said, hey, just come and and read the word of God to us. Here they come together and they said, Ezra, bring us or teach us the law. They were asking for the word of God to be taught. The people were hungry for the truth to be taught to them again. They were hungry and they they needed the law for they had been without that teaching, that togetherness for so long. They had, think about this, and this is really the, the picture of so much of all ministry that takes place, whether it's in the United States or around the world. They had physically seen God do something. 
They had physically seen God do something, right? Did they build a wall from basically nothing? The, wall had, the walls had been destroyed. The gates had been burnt, it said. And Nehemiah comes in and it says in 52 days the walls were rebuilt. 52 days. I don't know how many days it would take just to build this building right here. You would take, I said this before and we joke and we laugh about it, it would take longer than 52 days just to get out of the city of Henderson. <laughs> Let alone to put a piece of wood or a piece of concrete together. 52 days the wall was built. They had physically with their eyes seen God do something. They were, they were, uh, they were able to be safe. They were kept safe from the enemies. The enemies had come and the enemies had done all that they could to, to try to destroy what they were seeking to do. They had witnessed God doing something. Listen, I don't know about you and I don't know if you've ever been outside of the States or if you've done missions trips or whatever kind of missions work you've done. But even in the States, here's how a lot of that works. You physically lead people and show people Christ. Then they desire to hear why you are doing what you are doing. We'll go to Haiti in a little while in, in November. We will physically love on people or we have physically loved on people maybe from a distance, from our giving or whatever it would be. And we will now go in and spiritually show them the Word of God. This is why we love you. This is why we do what we do. We love on our community. And when we love on our community, we get the opportunity to share the Word of God or share the Gospel with them. You love on your neighbors. You love on your friends. You love on the people that you're around at work. You love them. You show them Christ. And as you show them Christ, you get an opportunity to do what? Share with them the Gospel message of Jesus Christ. Open the law. The book. Here they had watched God do an amazing and amazing thing. And they said, God, Ezra, Ezra, would you teach us? Would you open the book? Would you share with us again from the Word of God? There's places all around this city. We, we partner with some of them, the refuge rescue the rescue mission does that. The Salvation Army does that. New Missions uh, there in Haiti does that. Refuge for Women does that. Women's Resource Medical Center. And the list goes on and on and on of people that show love physically so that they can share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to be in chapter number 8, as I stated earlier. And we're going to look at the thought or the, the title of this is Understanding Scripture. And as we do... The more, as we look at this, the more that we understand the gospel message, the more that life begins to change. It has always been faith by hearing. I, I love the, there's so many different things people speak of and they'll go back, well, the old, that was the Old Testament, well, that was the Old Testament. Listen, the gospel, though we had the full, we have the full doctrine, we have the full book today, and they didn't have it then, but just as important as it is today, it was just as important then. It's still the word of God. Nothing much has changed when it comes to that. We just have the full picture of it today. But as we look at this, as we get into the passage of Scripture this morning, I want us to, I'm just praying that you would say, God, would you open my heart? Would you open my mind to the Word of God? This passage, we'll see it over and over and over again. It says something to the effect of understanding that we would understand, understanding, understood. It's something to the effect of that we would not just read the Word of God, 
but that the, uh, the Word of God would be understood in our hearts and in our minds. And it's as we understand God's Word, we begin to see a lot of things that take place. It's in verse number 5 that it says this, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. I haven't done this in a long time. Would we stand this morning for the reading of the Word of God? Nehemiah chapter number 8. I'm going to ask that you bear with me in two specific, specific verses. And I'm going to do my best to say all those words. Those names of those people. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose and beside him stood. Here we go. All right, we ready? If you want to laugh at me, you're next. I'm just going to pull you right up. Where am I at? So, uh, see, I'm trying to be funny, and then I lose my spot. And beside him stood Mattathiah, and Shema, and Anahiah, and Uriah, and Hikiah, and Messiah. On his right hand, and on his left hand, Pedaiah, and Mishael, and Malchiah, and Hashem, and Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the, blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, and Bani, and Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathai, Hadajai, Masiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peleiah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tertia, which is the Tertia, Tershatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths 
and the feasts of the seventh month, which is when they, where they were, and that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and the branches of thick trees to make booze as it is written. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booze, every one upon the roof of his house and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the street of the water gate and in the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, unto that day, had not the children of Israel done so. And there was very great gladness. Also day by day, from the first day unto the last day, he read in the book of the law of God. And they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according to to the manner. Father, we thank you for the day. We pray that you would use your word to speak and to pierce into our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, the thought this morning is understanding Scripture. And as we read through that, and I know it was a, a long passage of Scripture, but as we read through that, we see the word understand over and over and over again. Understanding Scripture, the first thought this morning is leads to worship. Understanding Scripture leads us to worship. The undertone of this entire chapter, as I stated already, is that we would understand the Scripture. That people didn't just hear the Scripture, but they understood it. And as we read through this, we see that the Word of God was taught, and then at one point it speaks of other people that they were then, so I would be standing here and I would read the scripture and we'd get to a point and then there would be a group of others that would take the gathering and they would begin to understand or to teach what was just read so that the people would understand it says that they understood it those that could understand so that was from a child that could understand the teaching up until those that were of age so that you have a gathering of people similar to this there's children in this room there's older folks in this room, those that could understand the Scripture. Really, in all reality, we could probably take most all of our children from our children's church, the junior church that is taking place right now, we could put them all in here. Why? Because most of them are of age to understand the teaching of the Word of God. And so as Ezra would read it, then the others would come beside him. I believe it was there was a group on his left hand and a group on his right hand, and one of them would go down to, and they would begin to teach through the law or the Word of God. Warren Wearsby says this about the Word of God, The Bible is not a magic book that changes people or circumstances because somebody reads it or recites it. God's Word must be understood before it can enter the heart and release its life-changing power. I think sometimes we think if we just... Now granted, now we can go and argue that statement that God's Word is a magic book, but it comes upon the understanding of the heart when God, the Holy Spirit, speaks to us through the Word of God that it changes us, if that we follow there, okay? But it's an understanding as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, as we understand that we begin to act, that our lives change, that, that He comes into us, that it, it, it speaks that. Six times it says understand or understood or mentions that thought there. The one who understands Scripture the one that would hear, the one that would listen, the one that would be of age. This morning, 
If we were to go to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 19, and I believe it's on the screen, but it would say this, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, this is speaking of the parable of the sower, if you're familiar with that, understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth it away, that which was sown in his heart. But in verse 23 it says, But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, and what? Understandeth it. And as we understand it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. We must have an understanding of the Word of God. We must have a longing and a craving for the truths that are in God's Word. I think I can speak to myself only, but I believe it would be true of most everybody in this room. There's far too many times I sit down to read the Word of God just to say I read the Word of God as opposed to sitting down to read the Word of God, to plead with God that He would open my heart to truly understand and grasp what He is telling me on that particular day. There's far too many times that I'll get up in the morning and I'll do my reading because that's what I'm supposed to do or that's just what I do on my schedule of things to do. But man, it's something sweet when I get up in the morning and I have a a precious time with God and I say, God, man, I'm longing for that. I wake up desiring to get into the Word of God that He would, Lord, Holy Spirit, speak to me through Your Word. How many times have you got into the Word of God at times and you 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 got through maybe a maybe it was a line, maybe it was a passage of maybe one or two verses, and you leave and you're you're almost full and you've not even gotten you've not even started. Anybody? There's been many times where I've just started to read whether whatever the passage that it was that was maybe on my, to, my reading list for that day as I read through the Bible in a year, whatever it is that you're doing, and you're just, God, show me something, teach me, I, wanna, I need something today. And, and you get a couple verses in and you're just like, wow, that's a nugget right there. That's good. You begin to understand it. As we look at this, the truths of God, would it bring, would it bring us life? Asking the Holy Spirit to use the Word of God to convict us of what hurts God. Ezra opened and they stood. They had this reverence. They had this desire to receive the Word of God. And in verse number 6 there, it says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, And all the people answered, what did they say? Amen, amen. And it says that they did so with the lifting up of their hands. And it says that they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Not because there was a great song that was sung. Not because somebody was standing and and preaching and giving them some type of encouragement. Listen, there's often times as a preacher that will use the emotional tools and will try to pull those strings and will try to do those things, what? Just to gather, to, to rally the emotion. A speaker, a good speaker, knows how to rally the emotion. I'm not saying I'm a good speaker, but that's what a lot do. Right? I could give you a story this morning and make most of you cry. We could put something on a screen, a video of some sort, and make most of you cry. That's not what we're talking about. Ezra was reading the Word of God. 
And at the reading of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit was moving in amongst the people and they said, Amen and Amen. And they began to fall upon their knees. And what did they do? They bowed their faces to the ground in worship of God at the reading of the Word of God. An understanding of Scripture leads us to worship. And worship isn't just raising our hands during a music set. Worship is while you're at your home. Maybe it's in the closet where you read. Maybe it's at the kitchen table where you read. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's wherever it is. But as we understand God's Word, we will outwardly worship Him. Some of the most embarrassing slash whatever you want to call them moments for me have been when I've had a great time of reading Scripture. I get up in the morning and I will go to the gym and I'll just listen to worship songs while I'm working out. And as I'm listening to worship songs in a public setting, I will be listening and something will come upon me and there's been more than one time where I'm standing, you know, macho. (laughs) One, two. (laughs) And literally as I'm working out, the song that comes, why it's just... And it's, it's just a worship moment in the middle of the gym. And there have been times where I've raised my hands. Because God, it's worshiping Him. Hopefully you've had some of those moments. But as we understand Scripture, the more that we draw close to Him, the more that we begin to understand the truths of the teaching of God's Word, the more that we desire To worship Him. We should desire that in our daily lives. I I think of this as we go to the next thought. I think of that, the thought, the simple thought of worship. As we understand Scripture. And I desire as a church that as we live our lives every day. And as we go day by day by day by day and we are seeking the face of God, that we are striving to live a life that is passionately seeking Christ, what it would be like or what it will be like and how it is is to come together as a family. Just think of this. If every person in this room just truly and purely sought after the face of God every single day, we woke up on Sunday morning, we all come to church, we are all living as as best of a life as we could live, and here we are on Sunday morning. What do you think that would be like? The songs that would be sung, the uplift of hands, the worship, the reading of God's Word, and all of these things. We'll never understand it the way that it will be one day in heaven. But that's what it is. It's perfection. Everybody's seeking the face of God. Amazing to think of just how powerful that that would be or that is. This morning, again, it's not good enough just to read Scripture. 
It isn't good enough just to passively scroll scroll through the scriptures. We must seek him in understanding because it's in understanding that our hearts turn to him in worship. And as we understand, we see the grace of God. We see that forgiveness. We see the purity of God. And listen, as we see the purity of God and we begin to see God's grace and we begin to see God's mercy, I will promise you this. You will look in the mirror and you will see the sin in your life and it will no longer just be, well, that's just something I'm struggling with you will begin to hate the sin that is in your life not just because it's a big sin but because it's the smallest of itty bitty lies that you have shared and you will look into the depths of your heart why because God is showing you the weaknesses in your face in your life and you will desire why because you're understanding scripture he's speaking that truth into you and you don't want to be like that anymore you hate the sin May we understand Scripture and allow it to lead us into worship. May we understand Scripture and allow it to lead us into rejoicing. Understanding Scripture leads us to rejoicing. I believe more and more that I understand the Scripture, the more broken that I become. And it's in a broken state that we can live humbly before God and see the amazing work of God. Because as we live humbly before God, as we are broken before God, we understand that it is less of me and more of him. Verse number nine in this passage says in Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra the priest. That Tershatha is basically the governor. The, it's a, it's a, a word that they use for that. The priests, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people, what does it say? This day is holy unto the Lord your God. And then it says this, mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the word or the words of the law. There was a rejoicing, there was a brokenness at the word, at the teaching, at the the speaking of the word of God. They were broken as they came to understand and, and worship him. They wept. They bowed their heads to the ground, as it said there in verse number 6. They were were falling upon their faces at the, the teaching of the Word of God. And it's in brokenness that there is confession. It's in brokenness that we fall to the ground. It's in brokenness that we watch God do the miraculous in our lives because we are understanding that it's in Him that those things happen, not in me. Listen, I cannot overcome sin. I cannot overcome sin. You cannot overcome sin. Doesn't that stink to hear? But it's not you, it's Him that can overcome it. He, I don't have the strength to say no. The Holy Spirit, in and through me, I can do the right thing. Listen, I don't have the access to walk into heaven and say, listen, I was a really cool guy. But when I come to know Jesus Christ and I give him my life and my my life has been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, I can walk into there, I can stand and I can say, my name is right there in the Lamb's book of life. It's not because of what I've done, it's because of what he has done. And as we understand scripture, I can rejoice in that. In my walk, why? I recognize as I am broken before God, there is rejoicing that comes in being broken. 
There is rejoicing that comes in being broken. But they say, don't weep. In this passage of Scripture, mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept. I would say there's a lot of weeping going on based on confession of sin. I would think there's a lot of weeping that was going on based on just sheer joy. Look at this, we've come together. It was two years ago, our family was in Atlanta. My sister lives just outside of Atlanta. And it was, uh, I have two sisters. I have an older and a younger sister. I, we haven't together as adults all the way, we haven't been together as adults until two years ago. I'm 38 at that time, 37. And it's probably been 18, I was probably 18, 19 years old the last time we were all together. It was me and my family and my children and my, my younger sister Misty and, and her children. And then it was my older sister Jamie and there was one that was missing. But we were all together in one place. Listen, we cried. I cried when I saw my sister Jamie walk out of the house. I wasn't crying because I was mourning. I was crying because there was a joy that I, I was seeing my sister. I was giving my sister a hug and it had been years since we had physically been able to do those things. I don't believe that these people were mourning and weeping in the sense that, oh, something bad had happened. They were joyful. Listen, when God's word gets a hold of us and we begin to understand the scriptures of God, I promise you there will be weeping. There will be confession. Confession is not a bad thing. Confession is rejoicing. Because you are recognizing the sin, you're beginning to hate. I don't want that anymore. It brings joy into our life if we truly lay that before God. It should bring that to us. Because as I'm humbled before God, I say, God, here is my sin. I'm laying it at your feet. I'm confessing it before you. And man, that's freeing. That is so freeing to be able to do that. Jeremiah 15, 16, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. This is what they were seeing. This is what they were experiencing. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. The word of God brings joy. It brings rejoicing in our heart. It's the word of God that brings conviction. But that conviction and repentance brings joy. It brings relief. It brings peace in our hearts. It allows us to live in freedom. It's in brokenness and humility that we have this joy. In understanding and seeing that God's love is overwhelming. God's love is eternal and real and powerful. We see that in a broken state. And as we begin to see that, we're able to rejoice in that. We love Him, why? Because He first loved us. Our heart should be released and freed from the bondage of sin into a joy of an everlasting, eternal love of God. God's Word says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Knowing that God has a great perfect plan for you should bring us about rejoicing. It should bring about a desire for understanding and knowing God's Word. Listen, it's not enough any longer to just come to church, to just read the Scripture. It's, it can't be enough anymore. 
It's got to be a longing, a burning within our hearts. Why am I burdened for something like the Good News Club? Listen, there's children all across this valley that need a Savior. And listen, I happen to know Him. And I'm able to teach. Some of you are very capable of opening the Word of God and teaching a child. I can't do a lot in the school. I taught for seven years. I don't want to go back into a classroom, just being honest. (laughs) I don't want to go back to a classroom. But God has passioned my heart for teenagers and young people. And I desire, I'll do what I can to give them what's changed my life. Man, as we understand, it brings about rejoicing. It brings about all of these things. Psalm 119, 162, it says this, I rejoice at thy word. Again, I rejoice. And then it says this, as one that findeth great spoil. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great, so, or great spoil. If we were to go back and we were to look into historical things and we were to look at this passage of Scripture to be better understanding it, the wealthy people would often, what would they do with some of their riches? They would dig a hole and they'd put it in a jar or they'd put it in something and they'd bury it. And there were many times where the farmer would come and the farmer would be doing what the farmer does, which is till the ground and and work the ground and do all of those things. And they would come across someone's riches. I don't know about you, if I dug in my backyard, which my kids have been digging in our backyard, they're trying to build a pool in my backyard. So they will take the hose at the... They have discovered that if it's at the whatever that is, the thinnest point that it digs in, then it's easier to dig. And actually, it'll dig it for you. So they've discovered this. But if I were in my backyard, because yesterday I was in the backyard, I was sitting on a bucket because I can't sit on my knees on the rocks. I don't know why anymore, but I can't. Some people say I'm getting old, my wife. But as we... As I was digging, and I'm sitting on this bucket, we'll use this as the bucket, as I'm sitting on the bucket, and I'm playing with EJ, my son, who is seven years old, who all he wanted me to do yesterday was play dinosaurs with him in the backyard in the mud. I don't know about you, I love my child, I love all of four of them, I really do. I had no desire to play dinosaurs in the mud with my boy. I know, oh, I'm a bad father, I am sorry. I just did it. It's 150 degrees outside. It was air conditioned inside. It may not have been 150, but so I'm sitting out there. And if I was, as he was telling me, there was a water dinosaur in the bucket or in the water. There's no dinosaurs in our backyard. (laughs) So I'm looking around and I'm digging around and I can imagine the excitement or the joy or whatever it would be if I would have found a big old bowl of riches. I don't really know what I would have done. I'd have probably tried to keep digging it up and go, what is that? But if you were digging the ground and you came upon a big old pot that was just full of gold and you recognized that it was gold, 
for 2018, you scratched off your ticket or you pulled the thing in Las Vegas. None of you do that because you're sitting in church. Everybody asks, right, what would you do if you won a million dollars? What would you do if you won the lottery? Well, I've never tried to play the lottery, but if I were to scratch off that ticket and I scratched it and it said 20 million, my assumption is I'm not going to go, oh, that's really cool. Hey, Mindy, hey, look, my ticket said $20 million. She's probably going to go, okay. There's not going to be any excitement between Mindy and I. No, I promise you, we're not the most exciting people. Like, we're not. Like, we're not the greatest, most expressive people in the world. If you know us, we're pretty quiet, sit in the back of the room type people. Neither of us are going to be like, oh, that's cool. Even though we're quiet people, I promise you, if I scratch off the ticket that says 20 million, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm going to get excited. I promise you, God's word says in Psalm 119, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil, as one that digs up and found a treasure and receives a treasure. What am I going to do? I'm going to, Mindy, you have no idea what I just found. Hey, babe, look at this. <laughs> no, that's what we should be. We should rejoice as the word of God, as God's word is shown to us, it is, as it is found to us, that we would excitingly be rejoicing at the truths of God's word as we dig and find them. Listen, are you reading the scriptures this morning to know him, to find that hidden treasure? That's how we should be reading the scriptures, to understand them, to find the hidden treasure. People will spend their entire lives diving our oceans to find hidden treasures. It's not hiding. It's on your shelf. It's on everyone's phone or tablet. It's not in a hidden deep deep secret place this is not under the ground where i'm having to find it it's right there you know what i have to do i have to pick it up i have to read it god show me the treasure today show me i just want to understand it i want to dive a little bit deeper God's word says, 112, Psalm 112, praise ye the lord blessed is the man that feareth the lord that delighteth greatly in his commandments Psalm 1 and verse 2, but his delight is in the what? Law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. May we strive to understand, because understanding is going to bring about great rejoicing. Understanding scripture leads to restoration. Understanding leads to restoration. As we kind of go through and, and skip down to verse number 13 and going through the end of this, we see in this passage of scripture on the second day, they were gathered together. And in verse 14, and they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. Basically what this is, is in really, really layman's terms, they would build tents. As you read it further, it says that they would put them on top of the houses. Their houses were all flat. If you've ever been in the Middle East, their houses are flat and they're built uh, off to the side of a mountain a lot of times, but they're all flat. And so they would put those 
tents or those booths on top of them. And here's why they did that. They would do that because as they they came, they would be remembering the 40 years of traveling in the wilderness and being homeless. And how they lived in the tents from city to city or place to place, wherever they would land. And so they would remember those. So the, the, the Feast of Booze or Tabernacle was that they would remember being in the tent and they would look backwards at what God had brought them from. They would then sit and they would look out about what God had done for them. And then they would begin to look to the future as to what was about to take place. In a short nutshell, it's kind of what they were looking to. And it says that they had not done that since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun. Not that they hadn't done it. Many, they had been able to do some of those things, but not collectively being brought together. There's something to taking communion together as a church body. There's people in our church that cannot partake of communion because they physically are unable to. And so at times, myself or Pastor Dan or some of the deacons, we've gone to their homes or we've gone to the hospital beds with them and we've, we've partook of communion with them and we've just kind of prayed and we've done those things together. There is something sweet about doing that. But there's something really sweet about doing it as a body together. And this is what they are missing. They hadn't had those things. And listen, as they understood Scripture, as we understand Scripture, there is a restoration that comes to understanding God's Word. Because I want to be restored back to the the way that it's supposed to be. Listen this morning. It's fun to, to think about worship. To think about lifting up our hands, to think about rejoicing, to think about falling upon our face and saying, God, you are awesome and you are mighty and you are powerful and you are all knowing and you are righteous and you are just. And and God, you are so many things as we fall before God. It is there's there's something to that. There's something to just having that that worship time. There's something to rejoicing. Listen, we all like to rejoice. We celebrate birthday parties. We celebrate anything. (laughs) Go look on your calendar and see how many holidays that we have in our country. You're like, what is that? There's a national day for everything. Any day that we can celebrate, we celebrate. I mean, that's fun. It's enjoyable to go to a party where everyone's rejoicing. We want to rejoice. Listen, sometimes when you think of restoration, it's not always the best. Because you know what? I have to stop and go, that's where I was. This is where I'm coming from. Or maybe I have to look at this is where I am, and that's where I want to be. And it's not always easy. I have a car in my garage that my wife just wishes would blow up. (laughs) When we first thought of this, it was really nice. It's a 1990, is it five? Is it five, Marcus? I think it's a 1995 Volkswagen Cabrio, black, Mindy and I's very first purchase as a couple. We brought it out to Vegas, not the brightest idea. Black top, black paint, black leather. Air conditioning goes out, really hot. Eventually, we 
parted ways with it. It went to Myra, Reeser, and then it went to the Houstons, and then it went to Garrett and Jamie, and it's pretty much been here. And so when Garrett and Jamie were looking at it, eh, we should get rid of it. I said, well, before you get rid of it, let me know. So it still sits in my garage. You know what, though? We look at that and we think, I think, man, that'd be cool to have that running again. Where's Troy and my dad? Oh, they're not here. They're out there working. So it would be great to have that up and running again. But you know what it takes? Work. Restoration. I can, I can remember what it looked like when I bought it. I remember, but in order for me to get it there, I have to physically get dirty, which I don't mind getting dirty, but I have to put in the work to make that happen. Restoring something is difficult. As we understand Scripture, God's Word will bring us to a place where we desire to be there. It's just going to take a little bit of work. I would challenge you today, as we look at this passage of Scripture, the thoughts that I had, were the, those were the first things that just jumped out of my head was looking at that. There was a restoration of what it once was. And these people, listen, many of you are Christians that sit in this room and I don't know where you stand. I don't know what's going on in your life. But maybe there's a restoration that needs to take place. But as you understand Scripture, that will begin to take place. Maybe there's a lack of worship in your heart. Maybe there's a lack of rejoicing anymore. Can I just challenge you? Can I beg you? Can I plead with you? Believer, if you know God as your personal Savior, listen, dive into the book. Understand it with everything that you have. Don't tell me, I, I'm going to say something, I'm going to hurt someone's feelings. Don't tell me that you can't understand the Bible. We can't. He lives in me and helps me to understand the Bible. I do not have a theology degree. I do not have any degree that makes me a bill available to stand behind this pulpit and be your pastor. I don't have any of it. Some of you are like, oh, what? Next church. <laughs> I don't have a master's degree. I don't have. I went to college to be a youth pastor. I don't say that to boast. I say that because it's not about me and my education. It's the Holy Spirit that works in and through us. I can understand Scripture not because I was taught by a cool teacher, but because God's Word is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit lives within me, and He wants to unearth all of the hidden treasures and all the hidden mysteries that are in God's Word. It's the same for you. You know what we have to do? Work. We have to dig. I'm going to have to go back home and I'm going to have to begin to sand down some of the outside of that car. I'm going to have to get inside and, and tear things apart to put the new things back in. It's going to take work. It's going to take sweat. It's going to take me saying, I will. Why? Because I understand as I look at the car, it needs fixed. I understand as I understand God's word, I look in the mirror and I need fixed. And the more that I understand God, the more that I recognize I need a lot of fixing. Listen, some of you may not know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning. Can I just plead with you? Can I plead with you? That you would take a hold and that God's Word, hopefully, I pray that God's Word kind of pierced into your heart today and you understood 
and you understand that you need restored, you need brought back to God. Listen, God created you with one purpose in mind, and that's that you would be in relationship with Him. Sin completely destroys our relationship. He just wants you. Could I ask those of you that may sit here today that may not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, would you say, Pastor, I want to understand. I want to be restored back to whole the way that God intended and designed me to be. I need a Savior. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.